Today's year begins at the Mishnah that you'll find 18 lines from the top, approximately a third of the way down the page. On the side, we have a Nosei slash Mivneh heading, the Nosei being the topic and Mivneh being the structural note. A diamond appears, one of our series markings, and we've indicated Divrei HaShotrim, the words of the Shotrim, these are officials that serve as the police. B'mi shechoyzer min ha Who is qualified, or for whom is it acceptable to return from battle? In other words, um, avoid uh, continuing into the battle, and rather return home. The topics are alluded to in the Torah itself, and they cover uh, an issue of bias, a house, building of a house, a new house, and a kerem, a plantation, a vineyard, isha, a newly married individual. The uh, examples would come clear as we go into the Gemara itself. So first the Mishnah, V'dibru ha-shoytrim el ha-om le-mor, after the Kohen Meshuch Muhamma who was featured in the previous Mishnah, says his words. The Shotrim continue, and they say, He who built a new house and uh, did not live in it. He is entitled to return and not continue into the battle. Echad haboyne beis hateven, beis habokor, beis ha'etzen, beis ha'tzoros. When the Torah says bias, the oral law comes and includes not just a house, but even a straw storage facility. Teven being straw, that which you feed animals. A, an animal stall, where cattle live. Uh, a wood supply facility. A base Soros, a storage uh, structure. All of those are considered under the heading of bias of the Torah, where there is an entitlement to people to return and not go into battle, not to serve in that particular battle. And as far as means of acquisition are concerned, even though the Posuk speaks about bona bias, one who built the house, it's not limited to the one who built the house. It could be one who purchased the house, one who inherited the structure, one to whom it was given as a gift. You are the new owner of a facility, of a structure. And that entitles you to withdraw from going into battle. Again, a quote from the Posuk. And the uh, Posuk describes someone who, who planted a vineyard and did not redeem the fruits of the fourth year yet. Chilolo has to do with redemption of fruits. A vineyard uh, in its first three years the fruits are orla, are prohibited. And in the fourth year, though one is allowed to eat the fruits, he must bring the fruits to Jerusalem. If he doesn't do that, he has another option. He can redeem the sanctity of the fourth year fruits onto money and bring the money and uh, to Yerushalayim and buy food there. 
The Pesach is describing someone who hasn't done that yet. And, Echad Hanotea Kerem, Vechad Hanotea Chamisha Ilnei Maichol. Even though the Torah speaks about a Kerem, a Kerem is, technically speaking, a vineyard, a place where grapes grow. The Halacha accepts even other fruit trees. If one planted five Ilone Maichal, five fruit-bearing trees, Vafilu Mechamishas Haminim, even if each tree produces a different variety of fruit. Uh, the owner, the one who did that, who owns these, is entitled to return from the battle. Echad anotea v'echad amavrich v'echad amarkiv v'echad alokeach v'echad ayorish v'echad shenosano matona. As far as means of planting are concerned, whether it be someone who put the sapling in the ground, whether it's someone who is mavrich, mavrich is a process where you take a the branch of an existing tree and you you bend it in the middle and and th- that part you put in the ground you cover it with dirt and the other tip sticks out uh, and what happens in the course of time a new root system develops from that part of the branch that was bent and placed uh, and covered with dirt so that's a new it's like a new planting and markiv has to do with grafting so that if you had a, uh, a, a tree and you grafted a new a branch onto that tree, that's called markiv. That produces, of course, a new growth. And as far as means of acquisition, the uh, Mishnah says whether you purchased it or new, new, new trees or you inherited them or they were given to you as a gift. A man who entered uh, the first stage of matrimony with a woman. Whether the Erison is with a virgin girl, one never married before, or you offered marriage to a, an almona, so that you gave her money or something of money value, establishing the initial uh, Erison stage of marriage. Uh, a man who is now uh, eligible to marry his uh, widowed sister-in-law uh, as, a real, uh, as a result of his brother dying leaving no children even someone who merely heard that his brother died in battle so the surviving brother can leave the battle and go home because he is now eligible to marry his wife. Uh, that is, the wife of the deceased. Kol elu shoim in divrei koihen marche milchoma v'choizrin. All of these, the examples that we've learned till now, are the words that one hears from the kohen concerning the uh, rules of battle, and they, choizrin, they go back, they leave the battle, However, they don't go back and are exempt from all public duty. They continue, though, providing water and food and caring for road repairs. There's another category of people, the Elu Sheinon Choizrim. We've highlighted with a double underline 
on, and under the Mivne heading on the side, Chalukois, distinctions, Be'inyan, Ptur, Hishtatvus, Bilmuchoma. So the first category are those that go back. They, they went toward the battle, and then uh, they, upon hearing the words of the uh, Shotrim, who reflect the, uh, the instructions given to them by the Koyen, by the Koyen Meshuch Muchoma, so they return home. There are those that don't return home. And they are as follows. Uh, we've noted Velu Shein and Chosrim. These are not these are people that are not entitled to return home. Abone Beisharach Sajim Upesis, one who built a gatehouse. Gatehouse is a type of little little booth in which a a guard would uh, a guard would occupy it in his role as guarding some other facility. So his Booth is called a Beishar. It's not designed for for dwelling. Achsadra is a type of open porch. Mirpesis is a balcony. Anotea, one who planted Arba Ilne Michael or Vachamisha Ilne Srak. He planted four fruit bearing trees. Not enough. Or five, but five trees, but they're non fruit bearing. Those kind of people must continue into battle. Hamachsir es Grushoso, a man who returned his divorced wife. He took her back. He remarried her. Almona le Kohen Godol, a widow who married a Kohen Godol, even though it's a new marriage for the Kohen Godol, but it's, it's prohibited. A Kohen Godol is not allowed to marry a widowed woman. Grusha v'chalutza le Kohen Hedyot, or a marriage between a Kohen and a divorcee, or a woman who received chalitza. Mamzeres Nesil Yisrael, a Jew who married a forbidden wife, a an illegitimate wife or a woman from the Nesinim people. Bas Yisrael Lenosin, Lamamzer Lenosin, Lo Hoya Chozer. Or if a Mamzer, let us say, was uh, going into battle, or a Nosin, and he had just married a Jewish woman, a regular kosher Jewish woman, that's a forbidden marriage. He's not entitled to withdraw from the battle. Rabbiuda Omer Af Haboyne Bayas Al Mechoynoi Lo Hoya Chozer. Rabbiuda describes a person who rebuilt a house that had fallen down on its original spot as it originally was. That's not considered a new house. The Pesach may reference to a Bayas Chodosh, something new. But here it's the original structure simply rebuilt. He doesn't go back. Rebelozer Omer Af Haboyne Bayas a person who built a brick house in the Sharon region of Israel. Uh, it's explained that explained later. Not in we don't see this in the Mishnah, but it was a very uh, muddy, marshy type of land, and houses there would end if you built them of, uh, out of uh, bricks, they would end up sinking into the soil, and they wouldn't last uh, very many years. So someone who built a brick house in Sharon wouldn't be entitled to go back. That's not considered one of the exemptions. It's not falling under the category of the Bonabayas Chodesh exemption. Here we have a new list. These are people that don't even advance forward to the battle lines to hear the words of the Moshuach Milchoma and the Shotrim. Bono Bayes Vachanacho. Here's someone who built a house 
and he started living in it, but he didn't live in, in it, did not live in it for a year. He's within his first year of living there. He planted the vineyard, and he even redeemed the fruits, but he hasn't, uh, he hasn't finished eating them. He's in the, it, it would appear that he's in the fourth year and has already redeemed the fruits, but he hasn't, as we say, hasn't uh, benefited from that yet. One who consummated his marriage with the Arusa. We mentioned the Arusa, Arusin represented the first stage of marriage. Here is a person that, that went to the marriage canopy, uh, the chuppah. He consummated his marriage and he hasn't, uh, he hasn't experienced a year with his new wife though. Likewise one who married the Yavama. The surviving, the widowed uh, sister-in-law, Shinemar Nokiye Lebeso Shono Achas. That's the pasuk that he's to uh, he's uh, to be uh, in his house for one year. The word, the words of the pasuk are, are explained now by the Mishnah. Uh, that, by the way, if you look at the side, we have the pasuk quoted in its entirety. Dvarim Perik Chof Dalit Pasuk Hey. So the the Mishnah goes on to say lebeso. The pasuk said noki ye lebeso. That's ze beso. That's a house. Ye ze karmo. That's a reference to the vineyard. Vesimach es ishto zu ishto. This is a reference to his wife. Asher lokach. That expression lahavi es yevimto to include the yibum marriage. These people ain maspikin mayim umazon. They don't. They're not expected to supply uh, water and food. The ain mesaknim es adrochem nor do they engage in road repairs. As we've mentioned in our previous year, we highly encourage the familiarity with the Psukim in Dvorim Perek Chop Psukim Aleph through Tes, the section of the Torah that deals with this whole topic of, of battle, exemption, uh, the announcements made by the uh, Kohen Moshuach Mochoma, and the Shotrim. The Gemara continues, Tona Rabbonon, Vidibru HaShotrim. Yochol Dvorim Shel Atzmon. When it says that the this, the uh, the children, the police uh, officials speak, does it mean they speak their own words? Kishomer v'yosfu hashotrim. The pasuk later says, and the shotrim add. That's in pasuk Ches. Harei Dvorim Shel Atzmon Omer. Those are words that started that initiated with the shotrim that they are uh, expected to say. However, so what is the contents of Psukim Hey through Zion represent? That's a reference to words that are initially communicated by the appointed uh, Kohen, the anointed one for battle. Okay, so how do you combine this, the Kohen Moshuch Muhammad and the Shotrim? Kohen Medaber Vishoter Mashmia. With regard to that which you see in Psukim, hey through Zion, those are words that the Kohen Moshe uh, say in a conversational tone, 
to the shoter, to the police. And the shotrim, they, mashmia, they say it aloud for the entire assembly to hear. The assembled troops. As the Gemara goes on, we're going to see three Tanaic sources that might appear contradictory, but the Gemara will resolve them based on different sections of Psukim. Tony Chada, one source, tells us, the Koin Meshuf Muhammad speaks, and the Shoter he makes it heard to the public. The Kohen is the initiator, and he is also the one that makes it heard by the public. The third source refers to the Shoter speaking, initiating uh, the, the words, and also enabling it to be heard by the masses. So at this point, it would seem that you have three sources that don't agree with one another. Omar Abaye, Ha Ketzad. How do we resolve these three sources? So the answer is Mi Venigash Ad Vidibru from Psukim Imperakhov, Psukim Gimel and Dalid. That is where the Kohen speaks, and the Kohen is the one to make it audible. Mi Vidibru Ad Vyosru, a reference to Psukim Hevav and Zion. That's Kohen Medaber Veshoter Mashmir. The Kohen says these words, these psukim, over to the police, and the police, the Shoter, is the one that makes it heard, uh, says it over in a loud voice. That's a reference to Posuches, Shoter Medaber Veshoter Mashmir. Those are words, those are instructions that the Shoter initiates. He doesn't receive them from the Kohen Moshech Muhammad. As we said, uh, the contents of the psukim is something that everyone should open up a chumash and uh, familiarize himself with. The Pasuk says, He who built, from the strict reading of the words, I would think only one who physically built the house. Purchased, Viorash inherited, Vinitan received as a gift, Minayan. How do we know that they are included in the, uh, we'll say, battle exemption? Talmud Lomar, Mi Ho'ish, Asher Bono The expression Ho'ish is an inclusionary expression to include beyond just the one that built the house. In the yellow bias. Well, the Posik again refers to a house. Minayan Lurabos, how do we know to include other? structures or house-like structures, but they're not actually built for a daily family dwelling. For example, Beis HaTeven, Beis HaBokr, Beis HaEitzim, Beis HaOtsaros, all of these points we saw in the Mishnah. How do we know to include them as being a basis of exemption? Tamad Lomar, Sher Bono, Mikol Mokom. It doesn't say in the Pesach, for example, bias asher bono, but rather it says asher bono, and then the word bias. So until you get to the word bias, you're reading the words asher bono. That's not uh, limited to house. Hence, we have a right through the power of the oral law to include these additional structures as the basis of a battle exemption. Can I think to include also the building of these structures? The guardhouse, um, open porch, and and uh, balcony. Talmud Lomar bias. So the word bias excludes these three suggestions. Ma bias haroy ludiro, just like a house is something that is fit for a, a constant dwelling. 
So to any other structure that has the potential for ongoing dwelling. Not so in the case of a guard booth, a, an open porch, or a balcony. The word bias is to be taken literally. There's a vov in the word in that word, chanoch, v'lo chanoch, it says, asher bono bayas v'lo chanocho, that is a limitation expression, prat ligazlon, to the exclusion of some, someone who stole a house. So, well, for him it's new, he just stole it, but he doesn't have an exemption of returning from the battle. So, uh, Rebbe Lezim Yaakov, we see as a, an opinion that's very, we'll say, literal in his reading of the Psukim, and hence he doesn't include uh, things that are not called strictly bias. According to Rabbi Lozer ben Yankov, a person does not have an exemption from military service if the house that he is occupying is one that he stole. Well, we, what are we describing? We're describing essentially a sinner. He's a sinner. He's a thief. He does not have an exemption. Well, Lema Delok Rabbi Should we say that Rabbi Yosef Yankov is not in agreement with Rabbi Yosef Glili? The Rabbi Yosef Glili. Now, this is an opinion we haven't seen yet, but here the Gemara makes reference to it. He, Rabbi Yosef, holds Ho'omar Varachalevov, the Pasuk that spoke about a faint hearted individual as being eligible to return from battle. Is really Zehamis Yore, we continue at the top of Omid Bey's, may Avero Shebiodo. He's someone who's fear struck because of the sins that he has performed. One who is a sinner might very well be influenced to experience feelings of fear and uh, not want to risk it going into battle. So, according to Rabbi Yosef someone who is a sinner is exempt because he's what the Torah says is yore, he's fear-struck and faint-hearted. According to the Tanaic source we saw uh, with uh, Rebbe Lozer ben Yankiv, who was not willing to offer an exemption for the house thief, apparently he doesn't agree with Rabbi Yosef Here we just, we, Rebbe Lozer ben Yankiv describes a sinner who's not allowed who doesn't receive an, a, a, a military exemption. So is it so then that they're not in agreement with one another? The Gemara says not so. The source that indicates a person who stole a house is not entitled to an exemption can agree with Domi. The thief actually uh, repented and he paid money uh, to the victim and therefore, uh, to describe him as someone who would be faint-hearted because of sins, he's not faint-hearted because of sins. He's done repentance, and therefore, uh, he, he must continue into battle and doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't receive that exemption of called Yorei Varachalevov because of his penitence. Ihochi, if that's the case that he paid for the house... Well, then he is a purchaser of a new house. Based on his being a purchaser, he should be entitled to return. Why does it say in the source, Eino Choser? The Gemara answers, 
since Meikar means initially his acquisition of the house was through theft it's true that he fixed the situation he repaired the situation through uh, monetary compensation but his initial acquisition was through theft therefore even though he pays for it later he's not considered the uh, the lokeach of a house the purchaser of a house in the standard exemption sense of the word here the Gemara will feature a, a discussion concerning the planting of a vineyard uh, are we actually limiting ourselves to a vineyard and further a further discussion concerning Harkova which uh, is, that, is the process where a branch of a tree of a specific tree is inserted into the we'll say the trunk of, a, of an original tree that is, of course, a quote from the Posuk Tonu Rabonan Asher Nota, one who planted. Nota is the process of taking a sapling, putting it in the ground, uh, covering the roots with earth, and uh, hoping that it grows. So that is reason for a, an exemption, a return from the battle. One who planted a kerem, a vineyard. Ein li elo nota. I see from the Pasuk one who planted is entitled to the exemption. If he bought a kerem or he inherited a kerem, received something, a kerem as a gift, how do we know that he too would be exempt? Talmud Lomar, umi ho'ish asher nota kerem. And again, you see the expression ho'ish, which we saw in the case of the house, was an inclusive expression. Ein liyelo kerem. From where do I know to include in the exemption not only one who plants a vineyard, but also one who plants fruit-bearing trees of any kind, even if there are five different kinds? The asher nota is an inclusionary expression. Should I think to include even the following? planted only four fruit-bearing trees or five, but barren non-fruit-bearing trees. No, Talmud Lomar Kerem. The word Kerem excludes those scenarios. Uh, a Kerem, technically speaking could be a, a planting of trees as little as five trees in a specific uh, configuration, uh, that would be considered a kerem. But you need to have five, not four. Rebbe Lozer kerem kemashma'o. The word kerem means a vineyard, and he is not willing to include other fruit-bearing trees as the basis of a, a military exemption. Lo chileo velo chilolo. The pasuk says in using the vov lo chilo prat lemavrich ulemarkiv. According to Rebbe Zerunyakiv, the Mishnah, the, uh, the pasuk that is excludes a mavrich and markiv as being exempted from battle. We explained these procedures before. The mavrich had to do with the uh, branch bending procedure, and the markiv is the grafting of a of a branch from another tree onto an original tree. The Gemara asks, but did we not learn in the Mishnah that from the scripture itself we know to include these uh, additional procedures, not just one who planted, but one who did have Racha, one who did Harkova. 
So in order to resolve, we'll say, these Tanaic sources with one another, we have approaches. You'll see in diamonds the names first Rebbe Zera, and the second one is quite a way down on the page. You see there's a number two uh, in the space between the uh, Gemara and the Rashi. Uh, there, the last uh, third or quarter of the page, you see Rav Dimi in a diamond. He also uh, comes... Uh, quotes for Yochanan resolving these sources. Omar Rebbe Zera, Omar Rav Chista, Lokasha. There is no dis, uh, disagreement between the Brisa, which excluded a, uh, ex, uh, military exemption for the Mavrich and Markiv, and the, versus the Mishnah that granted exemption for Mavrich and Markiv. Kan Baharkovas Isur, Kan Baharkovas Heter. The Gemara is focusing on the Harkova process, that is, uh, grafting, taking a branch from one tree and putting it into the trunk of another tree. If it's two different varieties, in other words, you have a, let's say, a peach tree growing and you take a branch from a plum tree and put it into the trunk of the peach tree. Those are two different varieties of fruits that is forbidden in the, from the Torah. That's uh, mixed breeding. It's in the general realm of kilayim, of mixed breeding, and hence forbidden. However, there's Harkovas Heter, where you have, let us say, uh, two, uh, a trunk and the branch from another tree of the same variety. Uh, the trunk... Uh, represents a tree that has a certain, let's say, positive aspect to it. Let's say it's, uh, it weathers uh, storms, it's a, it's a strong type of tree. However, the fruits that it produces are of poor quality. So you, have, you bring a branch from a, uh, a high-quality uh, peach-producing tree and put it into the trunk of a, of a strong peach-producing tree, and that is allowed. So that if you have uh, two kinds of fruits, I should say two uh, qualities of fruits of the same variety, and you want to join forces to uh, benefit from both positive attributes, that's okay. That's Harkovas Heter. As you can see, we have a a long bracketed section. You can use your bracket length indicator to show where they end. And if we skip momentarily, after hearing Rabbi Zera's resolution of the two sources, we go down Kios Rav Dimi Om Rabbi Yochanan Ha Mani Rebelozer He. The end of the Tanaic source, and you might have assumed this even when we read the source, but the end, that line at the end of the source said, Prat Mavrich Ulamarkiv, in fact, was a continuation of Rebbe Lozer who is a separate Tanaic opinion differing from that of the Mishnah. As he says, as the Gemara says, Loma Rebbe Lozer Hosom Kerem Kemashmo. Did he not show that we read the Torah in a, we'll say, a literal or a restrictive fashion? Kerem being a vineyard, and only for a vineyard is their exemption. So Hochanami, by the same token, nota kemashmo. The Posuk said, Asher nota kerem. The word nota is as it implies, planting a sapling. Notea in, 
but these other procedures, these other agricultural procedures are not called notea. They, are, they have their own names and therefore they're not, not included in the Torah exemption. So with the approach taken by Rebel Ozmanak, you have a very restrictive approach. Who receives the exemption? As opposed to our Mishnah, which is a broader approach. But there's no contradiction. It simply reflects, these sources reflect two different Tanaic authorities. We skipped a very long section of Gemara that we have in brackets. On the side, there's a double-starred note. And it reads as follows. We're reading in the margin... After the brackets, the, uh, the Gemara presents the additional answer to resolve the two sources, which we already read. Within the brackets, What is meant by Rabbi Zero's answer when he says, that the Mishnah, which affords a military exemption because of Harkova, it's Harkova's heter. What is a Harkova's heter? The Mishum Harkova who choser velo Mishum ho'etz hamekori. That the whole exemption is based on his grafting a branch into a tree and not an exemption for the original tree itself. In other words, the whole exemption is because of the act of grafting the branch onto the trunk or into the trunk. As far as markings that uh, shortly appear, you have a mivneh, a structural note on the other margin. The double underline uh, uh, indicates shlavim. These are stages. What is that harkovas heter? So we go through, as you can see, the highlighted words. You see the very standard Gemara form, ilemo eloliolam. We're trying to figure out what is meant by Harkova's heter, that it, the Harkova, is the basis of the military exemption, and not the actual planting of the original tree. The triangle that appears, Hezbeirim lemao Harkova's heter de Mishum Kachosrim. These are, after we went through stages trying to figure out what we're talking about, you'll see Rabbi Yirmiya giving his uh, take on things, and later Rav Nachman Yitzchok, giving his uh, explanation of what Harkovas Heter is. So the entire, we'll say, bracketed section is focused on a detail. It's focused on trying to understand uh, Rabbi Zero's reference to a Harkovas Heter. And that's why this whole section is in brackets. Now, the Gemara. We continue in the bracketed section. This Harkovas Heter, this permitted uh, grafting that serves as the basis of an, a military exemption, what is it? Yalda in this context means a young tree, a tree within its first three years. A fruit tree within its first three years is called Orla, the fruit is prohibited. It's uh, only in the fourth year 
can one entertain the possibility of eating the fruits? So if we're talking about taking a branch from a young tree, an orlo tree, and grafting it into a tree that's been recently planted, it's a yalda as well, well then, then the military exemption for this person should be on the basis of the original tree planting, which itself is young. You don't need to uh, exempt him because he did a, uh, a harkova. Elo, yalda bezikena. So rather, it must be a case where he took the branch of a young tree, of an orla tree, and grafted it onto the trunk of an old tree. The Gemara asks, could that really be a case of exemption? Sibcha means attached to. A, a young branch right, from a young tree, that is, that's attached to an old tree. It becomes, let's say, absorbed into, uh, its identity is lost in favor of the old tree, the older tree. And this branch doesn't even have the laws of Orla pertaining to it. So there's no element of newness whatsoever. Why sh- there, and, and in our terms, there's no exemption whatsoever in a case like that of Yalda Shesibcha Bizekena. So what is the case of Harkovas Heter that is the basis of a military exemption? Omar Rabbi Yirmiya, Li'olom Yalda Biyalda. In fact, it's a young branch into a young tree, and then you'll ask, well, why is the exemption based on the harkova and not on the original planting? The original planting was of a tree, but not for its fruit benefit. True, it produces fruit, but you planted these trees to serve as a fence. There had been a breach in a wall, let us say, and you planted trees to block that breach. That's a siog, or koros means you planted the, uh, the tree for its uh, wood value, not for its fruit production. And therefore, the, it's not to, as, 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 as is the case in many areas of halacha, kavona, intent, is the is the main factor, not the physical planting of a tree. And here is a manifestation of such a case. Since you had no fruit intention for the initial planting of the tree, that cannot serve as the basis of your military exemption. So what can? Oh, when you took a, uh, a branch from a, from a similar variety tree and grafted it onto this uh, fence tree, and you intended for the the grafting to produce fruits, there you've got it. There's your exemption from military service based on grafting. And the source for this is one who plants trees for fence purposes, uh, the, during the first three years, the fruit that comes out from that tree is not forbidden as, uh, as orla. It's there, the fruits are not viewed if, if you, you know, here with many times in Gemara markings, we like to emphasize how uh, halacha supersedes reality. So, if you can, I hope you can understand the following statement. In a tree that's planted for Syogokaros, the, the fruit that comes out, the fruit is not fruit. 
And what do we mean by that? Physically, biologically, botanically, it's fruit. But it doesn't have the halachic uh, 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 distinction or the halachic ramifications of fruit. The Gemara asks, the Gemara's question here is based on, we'll say, analyzing a principle. Here, once again, Gemara learning forces the individual not to be uh, let's say, uh, limited to translations and superficial explanations. Uh, here is a very good exercise of, uh, let's say, intellectual activity. When we spoke about Yalda into Zikena, we said there was, a, a, uh, the, there was no exemption. Why? Because the original tree was a tree itself, a, a Zikena, a tree without, without exemption. It was already beyond, it was already old. So there's no exemption for old trees. So there was a case of grafting into an entity of exemption. What about the case we just described that we thought is going to be the basis of exemption? Where the original tree, albeit young, but it was originally planted for fence purposes. Is that also not in fact parallel to the case of Zikena, is it in fact not also a case of non-exemption? So why is it that when I graft Yalda into Zikena, there is no exemption, and yet you're saying here, if I graft uh, Yalda into Yalda fence tree, there is exemption. Is it not so that the basic tree, though, into which the grafting is taking place is a source of non-exemption? Now, we'll read this in the words. What is different about the case of the grafting of a young branch into an old trunk? We say that the young branch loses its uh, youthful identity and hence no exemption. And the reason for that was because the basic tree was a zikena, was a non-exemption tree. And yet here, where you take young branch into young trunk, but its purpose was for fence purposes, a non-exemption basis, and yet you say here the young branch doesn't lose its youthful identity. And he's allowed to go back, he's allowed to receive an exemption from the battle service because of the Harkova. The Gemara answers there's a fundamental difference. Hassam, in the case of the Zikena, Imimlich Allah, changes his mind, he makes some kind of mental decision that he wants the Zikena to be viewed as a, uh, as a young tree. Lavbas Mahadir he is, nothing to, there's no basis, you can't change, uh, you can't have a change of mind that would have any effect on uh, achieving exemption in such a case. However, Hacha, Imimlich Allah, here, if you have a tree that you originally planted for fence purposes, but you had a change of mind, said, you know, I, I really want it for its fruit value. That original tree lends itself to such a change in mind. Bas mehadri. It is a, a tree that presents the capacity of actually uh, affording a, a, a military exemption. Daha Originally it was for, it was a tree that God intended, we'll say, for fruit purposes. You decided to use it for a fence. But the potential for wanting it for its fruit purposes was there 
all the time. And in the event that you have that change of mind, so you're having a change of mind concerning a young tree for fruit purposes, that in fact is the basis of a battle exemption. So since the potential for this change of mind uh, exists, the grafting that you do into such a tree doesn't lose its, we'll say, its youthful identity, and it can serve as the basis of a return. The Rashi explains, let's look at Rashi, and you may have noticed that Rashi occupies in this peric, uh, both columns where you would, you would have ordinarily found Teisvis, there's no Teisvis, but you see Rashi. So we're looking in the, uh, we'll say, the outside Rashi column, the lower quarter, Hasam, Gabi Zikena, where we spoke about grafting a young branch into an old trunk and there was no exemption, Lav Bas Imluchihi. It's not something that is the subject of a potential change in mind. That because you decided that it, uh, you, you want to view the trunk as young, that through that it becomes young again. That does not work. Where you planted a tree, a young tree for fence purposes. If you had a change of mind after a, after a year or even two years, you said, you know, I want it. I'm happy that this tree is here because I can I can do, I can benefit from its fruits. I want its fruits. I have fruit intention. Chayevus barla. It becomes obligated in the laws of Orla, which it previously had not been. Hilkoch yalda de komarkiv begavo Therefore, a young branch, a branch that you grafted into this uh, fence-based tree. And the grafting you did for eating purposes, even if you haven't had a change of mind concerning the original tree, the original trunk, this grafting is for fruit eating purposes. And your intention for fruit purposes is of consequence. The Ikridi even the trunk itself into which you've grafted this new branch, had you had a change of mind concerning it, it would have been consequential. Even though when you planted it, the original tree, you didn't have fruit intention. So that the fact that the original uh, appearance or planting of the tree was, we'll say, of a non-exemption nature, that doesn't establish that graftings that are done into it will also be non-exemption. Let's turn back to the Gemara. The Gemara gives, a, we'll say, a parallel to what we've just described. Midi dehave, meaning this idea of a fence tree that you had a change of mind concerning it, also has a change, represents a change in halacha. This is similar to the case of a'olu me'alehen. Trees that grew on their own without your planting them. Desnan, olu me'alehen chayovin ba'orla. If we look in the Rashi, where we left off, 
Midi Davi Aolu Mealean, Tibishas Mitia Leka Kavona. Trees that started growing on their own, there was no intent. They by definition they started growing on their own. So the fact that there was lack of let's say fruit intent at the time of initial growth, that is not the basis of establishing uh, absolute uh, or law uh, exemption. Let's continue in the Gemara. The Gemara has a suggestion that it will reject. The Lukma Bekerim Shoshnei Shutfin We have been asking all along what is meant by a Harkovas Heter where the Harkova is the basis of an exemption. Why not simply uh, describe, we'll say, a case that's, that's much more routine than the, uh, the unusual cases of one who planted a tree for fence purposes or for, for wood purposes. Simply, there is the basic tree owned by one person, we'll call him Ruvain, and a, someone comes along and joins up in a partnership with him, and he grafts a branch, and we'll call him Shimon. Shimon grafts a branch onto Ruvain's tree. So Shimon, now by having grafted uh, uh, his branch onto Ruvain's tree, Shimon gets a military exemption. Why not s- describe Harkovas Heter like that? The high Hodder Adide, Ruvain will receive his military exemption because of his planting of the basic tree, and it's within it the first three years. The high and Shimon Hodder Adide, he'll get his exemption as a result of the Harkov, of the grafting. So there's a separate exemption for grafting. That's what we've been looking for. Why not say this case? Omar of Papa Zosameris, from the fact that this is not a suggested answer to describe Harkovas Heter, this shows us Kerem Shel Shnei Shutfin Ein Chosun Olov Marche Ha Milchoma. That a tree that's jointly held, jointly owned, is not the basis of a military exemption. The Gemara asks, what is different about this? Here there's an element of, an element or a concept of partnership which doesn't serve as an exemption and yet in, a, in, in one of the other areas of exemption, the case of marriage, more specifically in the case of a yibum situation where one brother dies leaving no children and there are uh, four surviving brothers that happen to go into battle upon hearing of their brother's death and the uh, sir, the uh, widow at home now is waiting for Yibum. Each one of those brothers is a potential candidate for Yibum. They all leave the battle. So we're asking, what's different about a case of a tree partnership where we say there's no basis of exemption? And in the case of, we'll just say for lack of better expression, a woman partnership they're all partners in her, so to speak. And there is exemption. So let's read this in the words. Where there had been five brothers. One died uh, in, uh, in battle and left no children. That the, all four other brothers go back because of the Yevoma. The Gemara answers, Hossam in the case of Yibum, called Chad Vechad Karino Be Ishto. It's in, in, we'll say, in potential, 
How, how many men does she marry? Obviously, she marries only one of those four brothers. At this point, at the point of the death of the first brother, at that point, I don't know who it is. But, as far as exclusivity is concerned, each one of those surviving brothers can be referred, she can be referred to them as Ishto, as his wife, exclusively. I just don't know which one it is. Hocha, in the case of the trees in the vineyard, kochad v'chad, lo karino be karmo. When you look at uh, any tree there, no one tree is exclusively owned by any one of the partners. Each tree is jointly owned. And I know now we're going to be a little repetitive, but when it comes to the woman, we don't say that the woman is jointly owned by two Yivmen. Only one of them is going to be her husband, and she's going to be his wife exclusively. So that when the Pusik speaks about uh, the return from battle, it's talking about the return because of something that you have an exclusive connection with. If the trees are yours exclusively, so you go back. If the woman, the new wife, is yours exclusively, so you go back. In the case of the of Shimon grafting a branch onto Ruvain's tree and, there, and, the, and them thereby becoming partners in the tree, the tree is not exclusively uh, either Ruvain or Shimon's. It's jointly held. And that's not what the Posuk had in mind for exemption. Now we see Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok, another triangle, hence another explanation of what is meant by Harkovas Heter, that because of the Harkova one receives the exemption, and not because of the original plant. Rav Nachman bar Yitzchok Omar, b'mavrich Elon b'yerek. Now, I can't explain this botanically. I can translate the Gemara, but for, let's say, an official botanical explanation of what is taking place, one would have to do further research. But what's described is a tree branch is grafted into a, an original yerek. Yerek is a vegetable. What the halachic definition of a yerek is, as opposed to an elon, it has to do with uh, the the fact that when you have a yerek, you uh, let's say you you uh, remove uh, the the vegetation from a yerek, no new vegetation will grow back uh, at that point. Whereas on a tree, when you remove the fruit from a tree, next year on that same branch, new fruit will appear. There are numerous halachic differences between an elon and a yerek. The concept of orla does not apply to a yerek, but it does apply to an elon. So here he grafted a an elon branch onto a trunk that is a yerek. The high tanahu desanya. The question might arise in your mind, can you do such a thing in the first place? After all, uh, mix, mixing different breeds together, different varieties together, is not something that is permissible. What about this? So this, in fact, is a machlokas tanoim, and we're focusing on the first of the two opinions that we see in this source. It says, Hamavrich uh, Elon Beyerek. 
it's it's true that the word mavrich appears, but um, it might be uh, a reference to markiv. Maybe the words are interchangeable. But uh, he, what he did here is he he grafted a uh, branch of a, an elon into a trunk of a that's a yerek. Rav Shungaliel Matir he says it's okay to do that, uh, and he he quotes Mishum Rabbi uh, Yehuda ben Gamdo Ish Kfar Ako. So Reb Shimon bases his heter on the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. The Chachomim Ostrom, the Chachomim say it's not permissible. So of course, in order to receive a, an exemption from military service, it has to be an act of permissibility. And it is, according to the first opinion. As you can see, the bracket accession is closed now, and we go back to the uh, the we'll say the, the larger st- uh, structure, and that is we had the contradiction between Tanaic sources. Our mission, on the one hand, saying there is uh, exemption for uh, Harkova, and the Tanaic source <coughs> that indicated that from the word Veloch uh comes to the exclu- excluding Mavrich and Markiv. So Kiyosu Ravdimi Omar Rabbi Yochanan Ravdimi in the neighbor Rabbi Yochanan to resolve that contradiction says Ha money the source that says that Harkova is not the basis of return Rabbi Lezer Ben Yankiv it's in accordance with Rabbi Lezer Ben Yankiv Lo Omar Rabbi Lezer Ben Yankiv Hasam Kerem Kemashmo did he not offer his restrictive approach to the verses by saying that the word Kerem is as it sounds meaning only a vineyard and not uh, other fruit varieties that only the planting of a vineyard is the basis of a military exemption and not uh, orange trees. Hachonami, so too here. Nota kemashmo. The Posik said nota kerem. Nota is the planting of an original sapling. Notea in. For planting a sapling, there is exemption. However, mavrich umarkiv, uh, different forms of let's say uh, uh, let's say uh, involvement with pre-existing trees, whether it's grafting onto an older onto an original trunk or it's the bending of the branch of, a, of an already growing tree. Lo, there is no exemption for that. So the source that in which Rebbe Lozerman Yankov's name appeared by saying kerem kemashmo, in fact, the continuation of that source is his opinion as well. The Mishnah disagrees, hence there's no contradiction, rather a divergence of opinions. As we go on in the Gemara, a double underline series marking appears, and on the side under the Mivneh heading, you can see these are Memros, Shel Rabbi Yochanan, Mishum, Rebelozer Ben Yankiv. These are uh, st- uh, statements that Rabbi Yochanan makes in the name of Rebelozer Ben Yankiv, and this, in effect, is really a, a type of continuation of what we already mentioned. If you see just a couple lines up where we had the diamond, was Ki Osa Ravdimi Omra and there he explained the restrictive source as authored by Rabbilozer ben Yaakov. Here, Ravdimi quotes a maimer of Rabbilozer in the name of Rabbilozer ben Yaakov. So let's continue in the Gemara. You'll see a number of, we also have used a, a squiggle underline just to show the uh, repetition or the reappearance of Ki also Ravdimi. Ki also Ravdimi Omer Rabbilozer Mishum Rabbilozer ben Yaakov. Yalda Pchusa Mitefach Chayeves Baorla Kol Shnoiseha a 
uh, we'll call this a dwarf tree. It's so small that it doesn't rise more than a handbreadth. So real, it's a miniature tree. It might be growing like that for many years. All of its years, it's chayev and orlitz to be, its fruit will be forbidden on a rabbinic basis. Even though it might be 20 years old, it still looks like a one-year-old tree. And therefore, so as not to confuse the public by uh, their seeing you're benefiting from the, tr- the fruits after three years, they sing you, they'll see you picking trees from a picking fruit from a very small tree thinking that it's still a year old it's a year old tree and 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 they they'll think that the laws of Arla don't don't exist the honey mealy the uh this uh rabbinic stringency will apply in the case of a vineyard with a we'll say with a very specific configuration shtayim keneged shtayim viachas yoitze zonov that is a just imagine uh, four uh, uh, vines uh, planted in a we'll call it a square shape, each one occupying a corner. That if you were to draw the lines together, you would form a square. And uh, the fifth vine is coming out from behind it. So if you have that configuration, as opposed to let's just say five uh, vines planted in a row, one next to the other. That is not what we're talking about. The uh, concept of applying uh, the law of Orla to a vineyard that's uh, producing dwarf trees, that is true if they're growing in this configuration. Avokule Kerem, if you have an entire vineyard, row after row uh, of, of vines that, that, com- that comprise a, a large a vineyard, then... Kola islay. Kola means koil means uh, it makes noise. What do we mean it makes noise? Everyone knows about. We'll say this little genetic uh, uh, defect that uh, caused this um, stunted growth. But everyone knows it's more than three years old. So uh, a, a dwarfed vineyard that's large in size with with, tree, with the vines growing row after row, and they're all dwarfed. People know that it's not a one-year-old thing, and you don't have this uh, restriction, this rabbinic restriction. The Rashi, uh, on the uh, upper part of the ins- of the uh, standard Rashi column, uh, the upper, let's say, uh, less than halfway down, Kola Islei, HaKol Omrim, Kerem Yesh Leploni Mishunim Everyone says that so-and-so has this odd vineyard. The Yodim Shizikane, everyone knows that it's beyond three years of age. This Rashi is referring to an entire uh, discussion at the beginning of the sixth parak of Brochus. Uh, that this is in accordance with the opinion that the laws of the fourth year of Ravai apply only to vines and not to other fruit trees and hence the laws of, of Orla just like the laws of the fourth year are an outgrowth if you, in, uh, pun intended the outgrowth of the laws of Orla Orla, according to this opinion, then is limited to vines, provided they're growing in a vineyard configuration and not as isolated uh, grape vines. Let's continue in the Gemara.
Ki Osir of Dimi, here we have another halacha that's uh, here probably only because of the similarity in names, but not because of the content. Uh, when Rav Dimi came, he said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, quoting Rabbi Lozer ben Yaakov, Meis Toifes Arba Amos Lekriyashma. If one is within four Amos, uh, within let's say two meters of a corpse, so you are not to recite Kriyashma. If they, let's say it's getting late and you haven't said Kriyashma, so uh, distance yourself from there. But one who is within four Amos of a corpse is not to recite Kriyashma. Dichtiv, lo glorosh Literally, it means one who scorns or mocks the impoverished is is uh, embarrassing him. Uh, the concept of, of impoverishment here is reference to the dead. He he's impoverished from mitzvah performance, and your performing mitzvahs within his four amos is a type of ridicule to the corpse, as if to say, "Hey, uh, I can do mitzvahs and you can't." So within four amos, that is uh, the the mitzvah performance in this case Kriyashma is not to be recited Omar Reb Yitzhak here we have the uh, introduction of a new name that will appear in a we'll say a series form and the bowtie uh, highlights that highlighting Reb Yitzhak and as we go along you'll see we continue quoting Rabbi Yochanan in the name of Reb Lozer Ben Yaakov Omar Reb Yitzhak Omar Reb Yochanan Mishum Reb Lozer Ben Yaakov Chorgusa hagedela bein hoachin asura linose laachin. Let's uh, just describe this uh, family setup. You have a, a man and woman that uh, that married one another, and for each one of them, this is their respective second marriage. So that the woman had a, a daughter with a previous husband, and this man had a son with a previous wife. Their respective children are not related to one another whatsoever. The daughter had her set of parents, and the, the sons have their own set of parents. No overlap between the boys and the daughter in this picture. However, the uh, mother of the girl and the father of the boys are now marrying one another as their own uh, their own second marriages, Rabbi Yitzchok tells us that that girl who grows up, let's just say they, this um, this marriage took place between the mother and father, uh, took place when the when their respective children were rather young, so they're going to be growing up in the same house. People that live in the neighborhood they don't necessarily know all of the uh, family background here. They see a girl with 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 boys growing up together. They think they're brothers and sisters. So Rabbi Yitzhak says that uh, the girl cannot marry any of those boys because it appears in the, the Gemara's language was the Mishazio, she appears ki achtayu, like their sister. We have a little chart on the side that, uh, that we call Chorgoso. Chorgoso is in, maybe in uh, English it might be referred to as a st- their stepsister, their, the boy's stepsister. That's a Chorgoso. And the Gemara, though, rejects Rabbi Yitzchak's ruling, Velohi. This is not true. The restriction is not true. If they want to marry, they can. Kola is le lemilsa. Very similar to what we said about the, the dwarfed uh, vines before. 
people know about these things. And when they see that marriage taking place, no one's going to think that it's a, 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 a brother marrying a sister. The names of different tithes that the impoverished are entitled to collect from fields. If a poor man gathered enough leket shichon peos, he gathered a, a, a fair quantity of that, of those tithes, and he piled them up, ason begoren, that means he piled them up into a, uh, a, a heap of grain. Hukbe'u lemeiser. That means he'll have to set aside a miser tithe from it. Let us understand that from the Torah perspective, Leket Shechapera are totally exempt from tithes. It's only because of his uh, conduct where he takes it and piles it up, it makes it look as if it's, it's uh, stuff that, that he himself cultivated and uh, stuff that, that a person cultivates, even if you happen to be poor, you have to tithe it. So it's all a function of the impression that he creates. And therefore, as Rabbi Yitzchuk says, the Lekat Shechopeya tithes that the Oni gathered and made into a pile, they become established as requiring the Meiser tithe to be set aside from it. Meiser is the, the 10% that one removes. Uh, 10% is given to a Levi, 10% is uh, then taken to Yerushalayim. The main purpose for our discussion right now is that Hupu Meiser means it's been established as requiring tithing. And once again, this is purely rabbinic, because as we said, Lek and Shikopea are, are in, 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 in effect exempt from all tithes. Omar Ula, Ula now qualifies this ruling, and he says, Lo Amoran Ela Besodeh. This tithe requirement is only if he made the pile in a field. Of a ear, if you have this poor man that, that labored intensively in gathering together his lekha chikampere from different places and then went into his uh, into a, a backyard in the middle of a city and piled the grains up there, people aren't going to think that it's stuff that he produced from his own field. Kola is le lemilsa. There is, uh, as we've seen already a few times before, there is a kul, there is public knowledge. Neighbors in, uh, in residential communities know about the goings-on of each other. And in this case, it actually serves to benefit this poor man. People know that it's that the, the, the grain that's piled up is stuff that he had gathered from Leket Shikhon and hence is truly exempt. Here we have again laws that are applied to uh, vineyards, and there's a law that prohibits uh, vegetation to be planted in the proximity of a vineyard. If the vine is pusomitefach, it's it's a dwarfed vine, a dwarfed uh, uh, grapevine. It does not, mikadeshis is, the, is a word meaning pro, create prohibition. It doesn't make the, the, the plants that are, that are planted amongst them prohibited. In other words, there's no isor kilayim. 
we take a look at Rashi, Eino Mikadesh Esesasroyim, Mishum Kilea Kerem, it does not create the prohibition known as Kilea Kerem, Dichtivbu, regarding Kilayim it says, Tikdash Hamulea, Hazera. Venira Li, now Rashi adds an important uh, explanation, an, abort, an important qualification. He says, because Sovar, that this Gemara, that's Rabbi, this teaching of Rabbi Yitzchok, is in accordance with a particular opinion on this matter. When the Torah prohibits, as Kilayim, Kilayakerem, the Torah prohibits two specific types of plants. Uh, what the translation is is not important for our discussion. But in Hebrew or in, in, in Talmudic language, they're referred to as kanvus and luf. That's what the Torah prohibits. Other plants are prohibited to be planted amongst vines, but only rabbinically. Obechihai kerem, with this unusual genetic aberration uh, that produced this particular vineyard, these uh, stunted growth vines, lo gozer rabbonon asha'ar zroyim. The Rabbana did not impose uh, their rabbinic uh, restriction that would apply to uh, other kinds of vegetation. So true, in general, all vegetation is prohibited to be planted amongst grapevines. Uh, That's basically a, a rabbinic prohibition, according to this opinion. But when the vine is so unusual, so the rabbis didn't impose their rabbinic restriction. We continue in the Gemara, Vahani Mili, the, this teaching, this uh, leniency that Yalda Pusumitefaf does not create Isr Kilea Kerem, doesn't create the rabbinic Isr of Kilea Kerem. This is so, Shtayim Kinegid Shtayim Vachas Yitzhizonov. That's when the vineyard in, in the question is a vineyard with that specific configuration of uh, two opposite two, uh, forming what we described before as a square and one-fifth vine coming out from behind. Yotzes of literally coming, coming out as a tail. Avokule kerem maktish. However, if you have an entire vineyard that's made of these dwarfed vines, since it has significance, it's, it's a large area that's, that's planted with these, uh, with these dwarf vines. The rabbinic isur kilayim will apply. Uh, we continue at the top of the Mem Dalit. Mace Tofes Arba Amois Lutuma. Before we saw Halacha concerning a Mace Tofes Arba Amois Lutuma, here we have, uh, we'll say, the same circumstances, i.e., a corpse and the same measure for Amos, uh, with regard to defilement. And this is, again, a rabbinic law. If you were, let us say, outdoors, you're not under the same ceiling, the same overshadow, but rather outdoors, but you're within four amos of a corpse. Rabbinically speaking, you are considered tome mace. And the reason for this is, is since you're so close to the corpse, uh, a person can easily extend his arm or his uh, clothing and, and, and not be... Uh, cognizant of it at the time uh, thereby absorbing actual Tumas Oihel so as to keep people away from this well, delicate situation 
we we impose a we impose a tumor which is generally speaking a device that creates a deterrent. So we impose automatic tumor when you're within four amos of a corpse, uh, even if you didn't actually uh, overshadow it. Vitana tuna, and uh, in in Mishnaic literature, we also find this uh, uh, phenomenon, this this uh, being referred to. We have a Tanaic source. If you take a bird's eye view of the source with our Gemara markings, here we have a Tanaic source uh, that would be much easier to learn if we had a proper um, illustration that accompanies this. We're going to try to explain this uh, through words, but we highly encourage anyone who can access uh, an illustration for this and all power to them. Uh, Let me mention that the source is uh, for this uh, Gemara is in uh, the Mishnaic tractate called Oyolus in Seder's Taurus, Oyolus Perik Tezvav Mishneches, and it's also in the Gemara in Bava Basra, Daf Kuf Omid Beis. Rashi makes reference to it. We're dealing with a form of burial that was quite common in the times in Talmudic times, where the uh, the dead were buried in what's called a meora, a type of, literally, a cave. It's uh, underground, a, where you would enter a, 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 a chamber, and in the walls of the chamber, there would be uh, crypts that were dug out, and, the, and bodies of the deceased would be, would be uh, uh, sl- slipped into these crypts that were dug into the walls. The these little uh, with these chamber these cave like chambers might be in fact one opposite the other and uh, between them was called a chutzer uh, we'll call it a little courtyard that one would uh, descend into this little courtyard which was also uh, beneath the surface of the ground you would descend into the courtyard and then carry the body into one of the uh, one of the chambers that had the crypts built uh, or carved out or dug out into the walls. So that's verbally uh, what we've described. Um, a, uh, a very crude illustration accompanies this on the side of the Gemara. It's a, uh, we'll call it, it's an aerial view uh, of what we have described. So you have a chotzer and the chambers and the uh, with with um, an illustration of how the the bodies would be dug in, uh, would be buried into the walls of this and this is I say I emphasize this is an an aerial view uh, recognizing that this is all we'll say beneath ground surface. So that having been said, we have a Tanaic source which is chotzer hakever, and we you can see on the uh, in the illustration the chotzer. You're looking from top down. If you're standing in the Chotzer, Tohor, even though the Chotzer uh, opens into, uh, into the, uh, the Maora, there's a, a, door, a door-like um, entranceway from the Chotzer into the Maora, and in the Maora there may very well be, there are bodies there. Uh, you, while you're in the Chotzer, you are Tohor. 
provided that the Chotzer measures four by four Amos. It's enough if the Chotzer measures four Tfachim. Now we have a bracketed session in which the, the language is not accurate. Let's skip the bracketed section first to get the, uh, the, the accurate reading of this source. When does Beis Hillel provide you with this extreme leniency that you can be in the Chotzer that's actually very squalid? It's only four by four Tvachim and you remain Tohar. That's when the access to the Chotzer is Minatzad, is from the side. Uh, I, my impression is it would be a type of, let's say, ramp like, and we don't have an illustration for this, but imagine a type of, uh, either stairs or ramp descending. Uh, from the surface down into the chutzer, uh from the side. In other words, you're not you're not uh, coming from uh, on top of the maora in order to get into the chutzer. Avopischo milamalo. If there is no ramp going down into it, you have to uh, lower yourself from above the chutzer into the chutzer. No ramp, no stairs. In a case like that, it's. Uh, you, you, uh, there's a great chance that you might overshadow the cave, the Ma'ora itself. And therefore, in order to provide you with a status of Tara in a Chotzer like that, it, we say uh, Arba Amos. It has to measure four by four Amos. Vehani Mili, Chotzer HaKever. The laws we just taught. Uh, apply to a um, a chotzer of uh, a, a grave site, like we've described. The Mesaimo Mechitzta, where there are <coughs> walls that clearly demarcate where the bodies are buried, that namely in the, in the Ma'ora, and the chotzer, which is outside those Mechitzas, outside those walls. In other words, the, the source that uh, gave us the possibility of Remaining tohor is in the case of a chotzer hakever, but avomes be'alma, but a body simply lying outside, uh, then tofis. Uh, it uh, it literally it grabs you. Now that that isn't going to grab you for anything, but it includes you in its tumah if you're within four amos of it. Now this last point needs further clarification, further explanation. We are making a distinction between a mace ba'alma, that means a body, a corpse that's lying outside, versus the case of the chotzer ha'kever. In the case of the chotzer ha'kever, if that, uh, we'll call courtyard, measures uh, four by four, and you're standing in that chotzer, you might be standing at a point that's within four amos of a body, but the body is in the ma'ora. There's a mechitza between you and the body. Therefore, you might very well be within four amos of the body, but as the Gemara says, mesaimo mechitza, there's a wall that serves as a demarcation. So we can, uh, we can uh, declare you're being tohor. However, when you're outdoors... And there's no uh, point of demarcation. You're just close to a body without a wall between you, without a doorway or entranceway between you. Then, as soon as you're within four amos of it, you become Tomei.
we skipped the section of the source. We said that what's within the brackets turns out to be inaccurate. So let's go over the uh, the bracketed section. Start a couple words before. Basil said that the Chotzer HaKever can measure as little as four Tvachim and you remain Tohar. We continue in the brackets, bearing in mind this is not accurate. Bamed Vamamurim. Basilel says, When is Fort Tvachim enough? Shapischolamilamalo. When the entrance is from directly above. But if the entrance is a type of ramp or stairways coming down from the side, everyone will agree, even Beis Hill will say that the Chotzer has to measure four by four Amos, a much larger area. The, uh, the Gemara here within our, we'll say, uh, internal uh, bracketed section raises a question with that qualification. Klapelaya means, where are you going? Adiraba, min hatsad, midrid vinofik. If anything, when the entranceway is coming down from the side, you are midrid vinofik, midrid, like the word midron, means you're descending, you're descending gradually, um, easily, into the chotzer. And, and you can leave that way without having to deal with the the walls of the Chotzer. Milamala, however, if the descent into the Chotzer is strictly from above, meaning directly above, there, there are no stairs or ramp going into the Chotzer. How do you get into the Chotzer? Uh, maybe uh, by holding, uh, by, by grabbing the, the walls, uh, maybe with a rope, whatever, but it's not an easy access. And as a result of that, uh, the the uh, Gemara says It's like impossible to avoid overshadowing. So if it's going to be, uh, let's say a chutzah that's only four by four tfachim, and you're descending into it from above, you're inevitably going to be overshadowing the ma'ara where the bodies are located. Ella, so therefore, as far as uh, measurements are concerned, ba'med v'mamurim. When do we say that four tfachim is enough? Uh, that's Shapischum and Atzad. That's when the entrance into the Chotzer, measuring so little as Fort Tvachim, is from the side. Okay, so if you're descending from stairs or a ramp down from the sides, so you're not in- encountering any element of overshadowing the Ma'ora. Avopischa if the entrance is from above, you're going to need a much larger area for the Chotzer in order to avoid overshadowing. Therefore, in such a case, but as we said, once you're in the Chotzer itself, uh, which has the proper dimensions, as far as your personal proximity to a corpse, it might be very much within four Amos, just on the other side of the wall. Uh, but you remain Tohor. And as the Gemara says, this uh, provision of Tahara is that's when you're in that that little uh, courtyard uh, entering the Ma'oris uh, because there you have definitive walls between the Chotzer and where the bodies are located i.e. in the Ma'oris but a body lying outside it, it, it will, the body will 
uh, will let's say include you within its four amos. You've got to be uh, more than four amos away from the body in order to avoid tumah. With that, we conclude our shiur for today.